Hello, and thank you for joining the Speaking Out on the Quality Payment Program podcast, also known as QPP. This podcast series is where you can tune in and hear from intelligent advisors and other industry experts about multiple topic areas, such as preparing for the MIPS data submission, tips for new eligible clinician types, changes in promoting interoperability to be aware of, APM scoring, what makes up the cost category, and more. There are several things we want you to better understand and be able to share with your colleagues after a podcast. We want you to get a basic understanding of the quality payment program and how it affects the healthcare delivery system and the clinicians in your organization. Most importantly, I want to provide our listeners with tips or resources that you can take back to your workplace to help you be successful in the quality payment program. I am Tamika Williams, your host, and I am a Senior Health Information Technology Advisor at Telogen, the Quali Innovation Network, Quali Improvement Organization for the states of Colorado, Iowa, and Illinois. As a MIPS eligible clinician, you have more than likely identified the cost category as the most perplexing of the MIPS performance categories. In 2019, data collection for this category remains the same. CMS will continue to look at claims data, but as the program matures, the cost category will be weighted more heavily each year. You will see a 5% increase in the cost category from last year. CMS feels that measuring cost is an integral part of measuring value. The measures in the cost performance category provide MIPS eligible clinicians with the information they need to provide appropriate care to their patients and enhance health outcomes. I am joined today by Pamela Balu Nelson, who is Principal Consultant with MGMA. Pam helps the Intelligent Service team and small practices understand cost measures within the MIPS program and their relationship to practice operations. Welcome, Pam. Thanks, Tamika. It's easy for practices to forget about the cost category because they really don't have to do anything. But as you mentioned, it will increasingly become a higher percent of the total MIPS score. So it's important to understand what it is and what we can do at the practice level to impact the scores. Pam, I can't tell you how great it is to have you here. Since the beginning of MIPS, the quality category has been in the forefront. But we are seeing that the cost category is slowly ticking ticking up and gaining momentum. In 2019, the cost category will be 15% of the MIPS final score and will eventually top at 30% of the total score. For this reason, I feel that our conversation today will be important. A total of 10 cost measures are used to evaluate performance in the cost category in the 2019 performance year. Two of the 10 measures were used to evaluate performance in 2018. There are eight new measures to the cost performance category. Pam, can you tell us what measures are included in the MIPS cost category in 2019? Yeah, Tamika, you mentioned that two are one, two of the categories are ones that we've used in 2018. And CMS is going to continue with the total per capita costs or the TPCC for all attributed beneficiaries. This is calculated and expressed at the 10 or the 10 NPI level, and it will be risk adjusted per capita cost. Risk adjustment is key. This is based on our ICD-10 coding, and the specificity of that coding is critical here. It's also important to understand that the attribution for this measure is determined by all Part A and Part B charges attributed 
to a single TIN or MPI on the amount of primary care services a beneficiary received and the clinician that performed those services during the performance period. The TPCC measure uses primary care attribution, not to be confused with primary care services, and those, but those services are based on CPT codes. Unless the patient did not see a primary care clinician during the period, then it would be attributed to a specialist. So the cry may be from the practices, how can I be responsible for all costs as a primary provider? Well, that is our long-term challenge and our goal. We need to be aware of where and who our patients are visiting. We need to be the captains of the ship, the directors of the patient care. For this particular measure, there needs to be a minimum case of 20 to qualify. The second measure is the Medicare Spending Per Beneficiary, or MSPB. This measures Medicare Part A and Part B costs incurred by a single beneficiary immediately prior, which is three days before, to during a hospital stay and 30 days following that qualifying inpatient stay. So what they will do is they will compare these costs to expected costs. This will include inpatient, outpatient, skilled nursing facility, home health, hospice, DME, and other physician supplier claims. So let's review again. That is three days prior to time during a hospital stay and in 30 days following it. Those will be the charges that will be captured uh, per beneficiary. This measure is also risk-adjusted. The attribution is different for this one. The episode is attributed to the MIPS-eligible clinician who billed the plurality of of services, which is the largest amount of allowed charges of Medicare Part A and Part B claims. Again, this measure also speaks to our coordination and integration of our patient's care to avoid unnecessary duplicative services. There is a minimum of 35 cases for this measure. Both of these measures have inclusions, exclusions, and definitions, and I encourage you to go to the QPP site and review the fact sheets. Thanks for that, Pam. Can you speak to how the episode-based measures differ from the TPCC and MSPB measures? Good question, Tamika, because there are eight new episode-based cost measures that are being introduced into the 2019 MIPS performance period. The eight episodes are categorized into groups. The first group are procedural, and those include elective outpatient percutaneous coronary intervention, PCI, knee arthroplasty, revascularization for lower extremity chronic critical limb ischemia, and routine cataract removal with intraocular lens, and screening surveillance colonoscopy. Then there are three other uh, acute inpatient medical conditions, intracranial hemorrhage or cerebral infarction, simple pneumonia with hospitalization, and ST elevation myocardial infarction, STEMI, with percutaneous coronary intervention. The episodes differ from TPC and MSPB measures because episode-based measure specifications only include items and services that are related to the episode of care 
for a clinical condition or procedure that I just mentioned. And that's opposed to including all services that are provided to a patient over a given time. It will include Part A and Part B. And again, I encourage you to go to the CMS QPP site to see the details of these measures. Attribution for these eight measures varies depending upon the category. For episodes in the acute inpatient medical condition uh, category, episodes are attributed to each MIPS-eligible clinician who bills inpatient evaluation and management claim lines during a trigger inpatient hospitalization under a TIN that renders at least 30% of the inpatient E&M claim lines in that hospitalization for that episode. The 30% threshold for the TIN ensures that the clinician group is collectively measured across all of its clinicians who are likely responsible for the oversight of care for the patient during that trigger hospitalization. For procedural episode groups, the attribution procedural episodes are attributed to each MIPS-eligible clinician who renders a triggering service as identified by the CPT codes. The clinician rendering the service or the organization that the clinician is billing under is identified by the performing physician filed on the claim form. Again, please see the information on the QPP site for details. Minimal case for a procedure episode uh, is 10 and 20 for hospital episodes. These are also risk adjusted as well. Thanks for that, Pam. I mentioned earlier that the cost category is now worth 15% of the MIPS score in 2019. CMS will establish a single national benchmark for each cost measure. And this benchmark is not based on historical baseline period, but rather the performance year. For example, the MSPB benchmark used to determine a MIPS eligible clinician's 2019 cost performance category score will be based on year three 2019 claims data. All MIPS eligible clinicians that meet or exceed the case minimum for a measure are included in the same benchmark. Pam, what are the key points providers should remember about scoring, benchmarks, and case minimums? Tamika, one thing that we want to note here is that if a clinician chooses to belong to an advanced alternative payment model and is eligible to be scored under the alternative payment model, these cost factors are not scored for them because they are already being assessed on cost and utilization as part of their participation requirements for the APM. So benchmarking is a single benchmark for each cost measure based on performance period, as you already mentioned, and not historical. Uh, so there can be nothing published ahead of the period. But if case minimums are not met in any of the cost measures, this is how it will be viewed. So for a cost measure to be scored, an individual MIPS-eligible clinician or group must have enough attributed cases to meet or exceed the case minimum for that cost measure. If only one measure can be scored, that measure score will serve as the performance category score. If, for example, seven out of the 10 cost measures are scored, the cost performance category score is equally weighted average of the seven scored measures. For other examples, please refer to the uh, QPP site for the 2019 cost performance category examples. If none of the 10 measures can be scored, the MIPS eligible clinician group will not be scored on cost, and the performance categories would generally be reweighted as follows. Qu 
quality performance category will be re-rated weighted to 60% of their 2019 NIPS final score. The improvement activities uh, performance category will be re-weighted to 15% and the promoting interoperability performance category will be re-weighted to 25%. To calculate a 2019 MIPS performance period cost performance category score, CMS will assign one to 10 achievement points to each scored measure based on the individual or group's performance on the measure compared to the performance period benchmark. Pam, Pam, what can um, we tell clinicians about how they can prepare to improve costs? Good question, Tamika. I think the first thing is that they need to understand the cost measures. So spend a little bit of time uh, reading and understanding how these cost measures are put together and how attribution is rendered so you know how it applies to your providers. The second thing is know your populations and what are they at risk for? Improve your ICD-10 coding and documentation so you're capturing that risk ad adequately because the risk of the patients are going to justify the costs. Number three, keep track of your patients. Be involved in their care. Avoid overlap, duplication of lab and imaging services. Present lower cost options when possible. And the fourth thing is consider joining an advanced alternative payment. This will reduce or eliminate your MIPS activities, and it will also encourage at a population level lower costs of healthcare and improved outcomes. Time really does go by fast. Unfortunately, this is all the time we um, have today. This was really a great discussion, Pam, and thank you for sharing so many helpful temp um, tips with us today. Thanks, Tamika. You can find more resources related to the cost category on the qpp.cms.gov um, website under the resource library. You can filter your results by, by program year and performance category, among other filter topics. The 2019 cost performance category fact sheet will be helpful along with the 2019 MIPS episode-based cost measures methodology document, which is a zip file.